From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, welcome, everyone. It's Thursday, October the 6th, and we're coming to you from the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky. Now, if you've not been here, you need to plan a trip to northern Kentucky and visit both the Ark and the Creation Museum. I'm telling you what, it beats the woke amusement parks any day of the week. Ken Ham, the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, was with us yesterday discussing the conference that's taking place here for pastors and church leaders, a culture and church in crisis. It concluded today. I spoke this morning, as did Martin Isles. He is the managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby, which is very similar to FRC, only it's in Australia. He joins us a little bit later to talk about What's going on down under? That's coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. But first, the Biden administration is on the defensive after OPEC announced they were cutting oil production yesterday. OPEC's decision uh, to cut production's quotas is short-sighted while the global economy is dealing with the continued negative impact of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. If there's a meaningful price impact of OPEC's decision, it will particularly be on low- and uh, middle-income countries. That was White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre putting the spin on it yesterday. Now, Jean-Pierre didn't stop there. She used it as an opportunity to push the administration's green agenda. Today's announcement is a reminder of why it is so critical that United States reduce its reliance on foreign sources of fossil uh, fossil fuels. With the Inflation Reduction Act, we are making a historic investment in accelerating the energy, uh, the energy, uh, the, the transition to clean energy. You know, I've, I'm hard pressed to find someone who says more but less. Um, look, this administration, day one, cut domestic production. They've created. This is a crisis of their own creation. But while the administration is focusing on these self-inflicted political wounds, which, by the way, are affecting families, the world has become a much more dangerous place. The United States and those who have joined me at the podium today remain committed to diplomacy and continue to call on the DPRK to return to dialogue. But we will not stay silent as the DPRK works to undermine the global nonproliferation regime and threaten the international community. That was U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, yesterday responding to the latest missile launch by North Korea. Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, a House Armed Services Committee member, joins me for that conversation. I've, I've mentioned this uh, a couple of times. Last week, State Senator Doug Mastriano, who is running for office, called upon his supporters to join him in prayer and fasting for the election. The media use this to advance their narrative of Christian nationalism. It's unclear who Mastriano expects to start fasting on Thursday, but this is all part of this Christian nationalist ideology. Now, of course, this isn't going to do anything for him. And so my message is do it, do it. That was uh, talk show host, David Pakman. Senator Mastriano will join us today to talk about why we cannot be intimidated by these labels. And finally, 
As I mentioned, we're in Kentucky, one of about a half dozen states with life-related measures on the ballot this fall. David Walls, executive director of the Family Foundation here in the Bluegrass State, joins me at the ARC to discuss the next phase of building a culture of life. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there, as well as contact information for our guest. Today's word comes from 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, where the Lord warned Solomon that the magnificent temple that he had built meant nothing if the people turned away from God. God said he would cast away the temple and the nation. The devastation would be so significant, the surrounding nations would ask why. Verse 8 says, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all of this calamity on them. You know, religion is of no interest to God. As Samuel told Saul over in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he says, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God has called us to be in a relationship with him, a humble relationship of obedience and dependence, depending upon his grace and walking in the light of his word. To join us in our journey through the Bible, visit frc.org slash Bible. As I mentioned, OPEC, the energy cartel, announced their biggest production cuts in more than two years. According to reports, this came despite a full-scale pressure campaign from the Biden administration. The White House is in damage control mode. But as I said, from day one of this administration, President Biden made the decision to limit U.S. oil production. And American families have been paying the price ever since. Joining me now to discuss this and much more, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. She is a member of the House Armed Services Committee. She represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Uh, Vicki, welcome back to the program. Well, it's good to be here, Tony. Thanks. Now, you've been out on the ground uh, all across the state of Missouri because you're back home now as well, going across the state. What's your reaction and how do you think your constituents are going to react to this, the effect of this news from OPEC with rising gas prices? Oh, they're just infuriated and they're heartbroken and they're they're broke. I mean, they're having trouble making ends meet. And it's all because, like you said, of the poor policies and decisions of President Biden. This is a self-inflicted wound and people know it. People know that under President Trump and when Biden took office, gas was much, much cheaper. And we were embracing American-made energy. And we have uh, the wells of oil and natural gas right here in our own country. And President Biden from day one has stopped this. He stopped the Keystone Pipeline. He has put a stop to a lot of uh, drilling on federal land. He's making it more difficult for the oil and petroleum companies to operate. And then he goes over to other countries. Saudi Arabia, Iran, Venezuela, and begs them to produce more oil. And this is just terrible policy. It's a slap in the face of our own uh, production right here in our own country. And we just need to uh, encourage more production here. This was ridiculous what they said today that they're in the Wall Street Journal reported that after OPEC made this announcement, the president is actually going to Venezuela and is looking at perhaps softening sanctions on them and getting them to produce more oil. 
why doesn't he go to American oil production companies and take these regulations off, take these taxes off, and encouraging them to drill more right here? That's a really good question. And I think many Americans are asking that question. Why will we go around the world to find another source source of oil, making ourselves vulnerable and dependent upon regimes like uh, OPEC uh, or Venezuela? Why are we not facilitating it here in this country like the previous administration? It is just mind-boggling, lacks all common sense. I think it's pure politics, but it makes no sense that we would be promoting uh, more green energy in the midst of this crisis. Uh, Even if you embrace all of that and and shifting 100% to all solar and wind, it's going to take years to get there. So how come the administration didn't say, well, we'll keep pursuing that. But in the meantime, let's embrace and use the American energy that we have right here in our own uh, underground um, it is so, so bad, and I think it's going to come back to haunt them in this election coming up. Less than a month away, uh, the American public, the people who are going to the pump and they can't afford to fill their tank, they're going to make their voices heard at this election and say, we need a change of direction. We need leaders in this country who are going to embrace American energy and quit pandering to our enemies abroad. I certainly hope they do make those connections because part of the reason we've seen kind of an artificially lowered uh, price of fuel uh, is because of the release of oil from the strategic uh, oil reserve, which or petroleum reserve, which now puts us in a vulnerable position when you see what's happening with North Korea. I mean, they've launched, uh, I think, 22 missiles uh, in the uh, just in the last few weeks, it's the second largest amount, I think, uh, have happened since uh, Kim Jong took over. So are we not putting ourselves in a, in a strategically vulnerable position just when you look at oil, but also just neglecting what's happening over there? Oh, absolutely. And this is a more result of President Biden's failed policy and the debacle in Afghanistan. Uh, Our enemies smell weakness and they have reacted accordingly. And we are in a much dangerous, more dangerous place now because of it. I firmly believe that Putin would not have invaded Ukraine if we hadn't had the invasion of Afghanistan, uh, the debacle there. I believe uh, Xi Jinping wouldn't be emboldened as he is is flying and making uh, threats related to Taiwan. And I don't believe Kim Jong-un would be sending off these missiles like he is if, if President Biden and the United States were viewed as being strong once again. And so we're in a very vulnerable place. Uh, That's why, as a member of the Armed Services Committee, I've been advocating that we rebuild our military, that we have peace through strength, uh, so that our adversaries will recognize that they don't want to mess with us. But with this president in the White House, um, that's not how they're viewing our country, and it's very concerning. To to correct myself, it's the 24th such test this year, including both ballistic and cruise missiles. This is the highest annual tally since uh, Kim Jong-un took power in 2012. Now, some are saying that a nuclear test, an open nuclear test, could be forthcoming. What do we know about that? I haven't heard the latest on that, but I I would not be surprised uh, with anything that Kim Jong-un does. And that's why we have to have strong presence, uh, military presence in South Korea. Uh, we're, we're doing more exercises with our allies. We have to build upon the relationships we already have 
with Japan and Australia and others in that area to push back on this so that they know that if they mess with us, there's going to be retaliation. Um, and right now, I don't think he sees that. And we have a president and Department of Defense that is more focused on wokeness and training our, our soldiers instead of how to shoot a gun in how to uh, live with somebody who uh, is of a different gender but identifies as them. And it's, it's very concerning. And then we're kicking people out because they haven't got the vaccines. Uh, this is, is a very bad place that we are in. Recruitment is at record lows. And we need to get back to the basics. Uh, the armed services should be about fighting and winning wars. That should be the mission. That should be the focus. Unity in the armed forces rather than division. And forget and get rid of all this wokeness and focus on the mission and protecting our country. Uh, very quickly, uh, Congresswoman Hartzler, you, you mentioned the wokeness in the military, how the military is not meeting its recruitment goals. Retention is poor. The vaccines, the wokeness. Do you foresee a change under a different Armed Services Committee, a different Congress? Will they be able to do a course correction? I believe so. I just had a, a conversation with some of the members of the uh, Armed Services Committee this week, uh, and they will change that next year uh, if we get take majority. All right. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzer, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. And folks, I want to, again, encourage you to be praying, to be voting, and to standing for biblical truth. It's the only way we change things. We've got to pray. God's got to move on the hearts of people. But we've got to vote our biblical values. Speaking of praying, coming up next, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano called for prayer and fasting. Well, that outraged the left. They said this is evidence of Christian nationalism. But he joins us to talk about why we can't be intimidated by the labels. Next, we'll go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We're broadcasting today from the Ark Encounter. In um, Kentucky, just outside of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, if you've not been here, I encourage you to make a trip to northern Kentucky to see both the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Fantastic. It's a great place for the family to go. When Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano issued a 40-day call to prayer and fasting, uh, which, by the way, I've done before, even when I was in public office, the left was outraged. Now, I spoke about this earlier this week. These calls for prayer have been a really a key element in our national history. I mean, remember hearing about this prayer from President Roosevelt? Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. You know, and he went on to lead the nation in, in a prayer. Was he a Christian nationalist? What does this say about our nation that so many have forgotten this important element, that we are a people that have a religious history, and prayer has been very fundamental to this nation. Join me now to discuss this is Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano. He represents Pennsylvania's 33rd District. Senator, welcome to Washington Watch. Glad to be on with you. Well, let me just say, Senator, first, uh, I appreciate you being bold in your faith, that you're not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and you know where the source of our strength comes from. So, let me just ask you, were you, were you surprised by the reaction from many on the left and in the media for your call for prayer and fasting? Uh, not at all. I mean, we, we've seen a rise of bigotry and religious hatred from the media and, and the left wing of the Democrat Party for several years. You know, they, they call themselves the tolerant ones only if you agree with them 100 percent. I mean, we see the, the latest turn of name calling. And the thing, Tony, that's uh, heartbreaking for instance, I got the Liberty Bell picture behind me here, and you know, of course, Leviticus twenty five ten is on there. So, does that make the, all the founders Christian nationalists? That wet term that only you know has been created a year or two ago. It's a, as a pejorative against anyone. 
who uh, expresses her faith publicly. But the, the thing is, you know, throughout history, you did the Frank, Franklin Delano Roosevelt prayer, his D-Day prayer that he issued on the 6th of June, 1944, is better than what you'll hear from most pulpits these days. I remember as a historian, I'm a doctor of history, presidents going up to President Obama have called the nation a prayer, whether it was Ronald Reagan after the Marine barracks was attacked in Lebanon in 83, uh, right, and several other times by Reagan, and of course, um, the, the senior Bush during Desert Storm, all the way up to 9-11 and beyond. And so this is not a new thing in history. Well, doctor, that <laughs> I think you put your finger on it. It's the history. And we're not teaching history anymore in our schools. We're more occupied with getting the proper pronouns and identifying the 52 different genders that are out there than we are teaching the history of this country. In fact, when we teach about this country, it's about how we should hate this country. And that's the problem. And so that's why the Pennsylvania gubernatorial race, I believe, not just because I'm in it, but from a historic perspective, from an environmental perspective, from the resources God has blessed our state with, it's it's the most important state uh, that we have to win in the nation this year. Uh, I say that because I could go through many levels, don't know how much time we have, so I'll probably pass that. But the bottom line is we we are the seat of the nation. We are the keystone state. We hold the keys, as it says in Revelation, after Philadelphia, named by William Penn. The idea that William Penn would would found this Commonwealth of Pennsylvania after serving in jail for having the wrong faith, having the wrong political ideas, talking about Jesus too much. When he came and created what we know as Pennsylvania, he wanted to be a place where men and women could walk as free people and not according to the edicts of a king or a magistrate or a governor. And sadly, Tony, this period of a few centuries of religious freedom sadly has been an anomaly because we're seeing that being eroded away along with many other freedoms. So, Senator... In your opinion, do you think this is designed, this labeling, designed to silence Christians, to discourage them from entering into public office and speaking out in public? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you'll see in politics, there's not a lot of courage. You, you know, I guess the, the path of least resistance is normal for most politicians. And uh, for me, I retired as a colonel. That's the highest you, you could get in, in my career field, blessed to achieve that rank. Uh, was lined up to have a sweet job post-Army uh, to ride off in the sunset, and I couldn't do this. The Democrat Party has been attacking me for many years now. They, they singled me out, the DNC and the DLCC, uh, last year for political destruction because they, they saw me as a threat for their ambitions in Pennsylvania. Uh, it didn't work made me more popular in the state. But sadly, the Democrats understand how critical Pennsylvania is, and they're just pouring money into this race. My opponent is like $30 million or so. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, on our side here, we, we don't see a, a much as much of an understanding or grasp of the gravity of winning Pennsylvania. And despite being outspent 16 to 1 or whatever it is now, uh, we're still neck and neck in, in the Trafalgar poll. Well, Senator, I want to thank you for your boldness in not shrinking back not uh, trying to hide in the shadows, but standing out boldly, proclaiming truth and just just running into it. And I'm just grateful for men and women like you that have that type of conviction. So thank you for joining us today. And I'm going to encourage our folks to join with you in uh, in praying uh, for thank our you. nation, for Pennsylvania and uh, for these upcoming elections. Glad to have you with us, Senator. Thank you. Prayer is the key. And, and that's how we get our way out of the stark time. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Senator Doug Mastriano in uh, Pennsylvania. And by the way, we uh, at the Family Research Council Washington Watch, we do not endorse or support any particular candidates. But 
when someone steps up and is in leadership in calling people to pray and gets attacked for calling people to pray, that's something that's newsworthy that we need to talk about because he is absolutely right. Our history is filled with examples of men and women on both sides of the political aisle. But something's happened. And I think part of it, we've lost our history, our identity of who we are, and we've allowed the the left to basically recreate America in their own godless image. And we can't let that happen. We need to be praying, we need to be voting, and we need to be standing for truth. And by the way, next Wednesday night, October the 12th, we will have a town hall meeting, nationwide town hall meeting, Christian nationalism. Where'd the term come from? Why is it being used? What's behind it? That'll be a cornerstone chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, but you can join online. Text the word town hall, one word, to 67742. That's 67742, the word town hall, and you'll find out how you can join us next Wednesday night. All right, don't go away. Coming up next, pro-life initiatives on the ballot this fall. One of them right here in Kentucky. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, if you're watching, yes, you'll notice I'm not in the studio. That is the ark behind me. Not the original, but it is the replica, life-size, two specifications according to Scripture. Uh, I'm in uh, Kentucky at the Ark Encounter. And if you've never been here, you ought to try it. It is a uh, wonderful, wonderful place. This in the Creation Museum. Ken Ham, who was on with us yesterday, 
uh, has uh, is the really the mastermind behind this and bringing this to northern Kentucky. Well, I want to talk about something else happening in Kentucky. This November, five states will have abortion pro-life measures on the ballot, California, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, and Vermont. Now, viewers and listeners in those states need to plan to go out and vote. And as I said, I'm here in Kentucky where voters can put pro-life values into their state constitution by voting yes on for life on amendment number two. Join me now to discuss this is David Walls. He's the executive director of the Family Foundation here in the Bluegrass State. David, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, pleasure to be with you. Uh, thank you for uh, what FRC does. As, as you know, I uh, got called into this movement entering for the Family Research Council. That's right. You were in D.C. being a, an intern about... Uh, about a dozen years ago. Yeah. Yes, sir. But excited to, to be here in Kentucky. Welcome to the Bluegrass State. We're excited to have you. And really for such a time as this. Yeah. Uh, we are, uh, as you mentioned, one of the, the few states uh, that has a uh, profound privilege to uh, vote to support a pro-life constitutional amendment on the ballot here in Kentucky on November. Kentucky is one of the states. Uh, we have a very pro-life legislature. We're a pro-life state. We have prohibited abortion with a, with a trigger, a ban on abortion that went into effect after Roe was overturned. Uh, and our two abortion clinics are no longer killing uh, unborn children as we sit right now. Uh, but as we sit here, uh, as we know, the, the pro-abortion side is uh, trying to now do at the state level what they uh, were uh, thankfully, finally unsuccessful in doing at the federal level. And they are arguing there's a secret hidden right to an abortion within right. uh, the Constitution of our Commonwealth. And Kentucky is not the only state that right. uh, has that at, in play. And that's why legislation Tours, uh, in advance of the Dobbs decision said, you know what, we need to make sure there are no loopholes here that an activist judge can do what the Supreme Court did in 1973 and impose this on our state. And that's what this amendment's all about. It doesn't do anything other than say the legislature is the body, the elected representatives are the one that will decide the policy. Absolutely. Uh, what is known as Amendment Number 2 here, the, the Yes for Life Amendment, uh, really just says there uh, secures that there's no right to an abortion within the Kentucky Constitution or, very importantly, no right to taxpayer funding of yeah. abortion. Because, see, if, that, if a court, a judge, one judge makes that decision, that essentially eliminates the entire legislature from dealing with this issue in a way that would build consensus for the people of Kentucky. Yeah. And we've already had that one judge. Since Roe has been overturned, the pro-abortion industry has run into state court and has a judge that has said there's a right to an abortion within the Kentucky Constitution. And just in the last few weeks, the Kentucky Supreme Court has announced they are going to hear this case. And they are going to hear this case one week after the election wow. here. And so really, it's it's a uh, profound opportunity that we have here in the Commonwealth. How can folks in Kentucky, and I know we've got a lot of listeners in Kentucky, how can they find out more about the Yes for Life Amendment? Absolutely. You can go to our website at KentuckyFamily.org. We've got great uh, pastor and church resources available right there on the front of the page. Folks can also go to YesForLifeKY.com, and that's kind of the, the campaign website that we're a part of a great uh, pro-life alliance here working uh, almost every day uh, in churches and communities across the Commonwealth trying to, to get the, the word out. 
we just had a, a beautiful rally at our Kentucky Capitol uh, this past weekend uh, and uh, just had some great pastors from all across the state and others share powerful testimonies about why this is so important. You know, this really is a, a moment for the church here in Kentucky to, to stand up. This is a, a light versus darkness moment. We saw it play out at the Capitol where our, our rally had protesters um, um, trying to uh, uh, disrupt things, so to speak. And so uh, this is a, a profound moment. And, and I just want to encourage uh, pastors uh, here in Kentucky and across, as, as I have had the pleasure to, to get to go across the state and speak on this important issue. You know, we're in an important moment. And so just just take a moment right now, wherever you are, and to say a prayer for your pastor. And if you have their phone number, if you've got an email, just reach out to them and say thank you for your leadership uh, and to just encourage them to um, to speak the word of God uh, on the full counsel of God on the issue of life. Uh, really here in Kentucky and in other states, uh, so many of these votes are going to come down to whether uh, the men of God yeah. proclaim his word and encourage the people of God to get out and vote righteousness on November 8th. Yeah, that's so so right, David. And I think when you look at the amount of money the other side is putting into these campaigns, the media obviously pushing the leftist ideology, the church is is critical. We need pastors preaching the word of God, and we need men and women of faith voting the values that are found in the word of God, and they won't even be an issue. So here's one thing I want to say to, to our listeners in Kentucky don't take anything for granted. Don't think that this is just going to pass because Kentucky is a conservative pro-life state. Right? You've got to do your part. So make sure you're registered, make sure friends and family are registered, and make sure they turn out and vote for this. David Wells, thank you for joining us today. Great to see you, and you're doing a great job here in Kentucky. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure to be with you. All right, folks, don't go away because we've got more Washington Watch to come. I'm going to be joined by one of the speakers that was also a part of the pastor's conference here at the Ark Encounter. And he comes to us from down under. Where is that? Oh, it's actually a little lower than Kentucky. But he's going to talk to us next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? 
Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. It's been a great week here at Answers in Genesis at their Pastors and Leaders Conference here uh, first at the Creation Museum. Now we're at the Ark Encounter. This is outside of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, in Kentucky. And in fact, I mentioned this this morning. My fam- most All my family came from this area of Kentucky. My mother was uh, from Possum Trot, Kentucky. You could tell who was from around this area. They recognize that. Not many people know where Possum Trot's at. But as we were talking about Kentucky, very conservative area. But this uh, really has put the nation or put the Kentucky on the map nationally as people come from all over to see the Creation Museum and see the Ark. And I tell you what, they're doing a great job. And this conference here today was uh, yesterday, today, very powerful in challenging pastors, as we were just talking about, but for standing for for truth. And uh, I want to bring in one of the, the speakers that was here because yesterday when uh, Ken was on the program, he talked about the story of uh, Andrew Thorburn, who is the Australian football club CEO who was forced to resign simply, simply for being a Christian who lives with biblical values. Now, this is a huge story in Australia, and it illustrates some of the disturbing trends we've seen in the U.S. as well. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Mark Niles. He is the managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and he was one of the speakers here at the conference this week. Mark, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, it's an absolute pleasure. So um, I want to talk about what's going on down under. Yes. And, and uh, there's some parallels between what we see here in America. I want to, uh, this is a big story about this uh, CEO. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the history of this. Well, this is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Thorburn, and uh, he was appointed the CEO of an Australian rules football club. So we have our own code of footy, as we call it in Australia, uh, Australian rules. 
And uh, he now, is this football? Is this soccer? Or is this no? It's football. It's actually the, football. The oblong balls. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. Yep. Right. It's, just it's just want to make sure we're talking the same thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Right. And we call that footy in Australia. That's okay. the, that's the term that we use. We can say football for the soccer variety. But okay. Footy is is what it's about. Right. Um, but he was appointed CEO of this football club called uh, C- called uh, Essendon. That's the team. And what happened was that the media broke a story pretty shortly thereafter that this guy was also a board member of a church in the city of Melbourne. It's a very mainstream church. It's an evangelical church. There's nothing remarkable about it. Actually, it's quite youthful and it's quite a well-regarded church in Christian circles. And simply for being a board member of that church uh, and simply because that church had a sermon online from nine years ago where in a very decent and balanced and ordinary and expected way for a Christian church dealt with the subject of human sexuality. Uh, you mean was, they preach the Bible? Well, exactly. They preach the Bible. Shock, horror, surprise. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the media said, oh, this is a controversial uh, religious group. It was just nothing more than a standard church so, to the Bible. So make sure I'm clear here. So Andrew was just a member of that church on the board. Yes, correct. Therefore, that is what brought this to the level that he had to be forced out. Correct. He said nothing. It was nothing that he said. It was nothing that he did. It was just the fact that he was on the board of a standard evangelical church in the city of Melbourne. All right. I want to play a clip of um, Sky News Australian host uh, Chris Kinney uh, making comments about this. This was from yesterday uh, from Sky News Australia. Play clip number nine. Thorburn was forced to quit the job because he is a Christian, because he belongs to a church that opposes abortion on demand and believes homosexuality is a sin. Agree or not, these are religious and moral teachings shared by billions of people across various faiths around the world. So, Martin, what is this, what is this saying? If you, if you believe the Bible... And you go to a church that preaches the Bible, there's no place in Australian society for you? Well, that's exactly what it's saying. And uh, not only that, but the state premier of the state of Victoria where this happened, who's the equivalent of the governor of the state of Victoria in American terms, he got involved as well. And I actually have pressure. a clip of that. Let, oh, me, right. let me play oh, that great. clip. Let's play clip number 10. Those views are absolutely uh, appalling. I don't support those views. That kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred bigotry is just wrong can i say he sounds like a wimp <laughs> okay he doesn't think he's a wimp i can assure you but i he, it's true that he's a and he's running scared i yeah. mean he had no reason he didn't have any motive he didn't need to say anything well he's sending political signals see uh he's a bully there's no doubt about that they but he's him. afraid he's afraid of the left yeah, of course. And, and, that, and that's what this is all about. It's about yeah. intimidation. It's about finding out who has a backbone and who doesn't. Well, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, he's been that particular man in the state of Victoria has been uh, running a campaign, really a reign of terror against Christians uh, for a long time. He's introduced laws there that would see parents lose their children if they don't affirm their gender dysphoria, no matter what their age is. Uh, laws that could see a pastor who prays for someone in relation to their sexuality or their gender identity, even if they ask the pastor to do so, could see that person in jail up to 10 years. That's no joke. They're the most draconian, uh, what they call conversion suppression practices laws in the world. 
um, and he passed these laws. And he comes out and he says, well, you know, churches and their beliefs, he actually called it bigoted quackery. Uh, and so he's... he's it's a good thing he's wearing a hard hat. <laughs> That's right. He's uh, for those who yeah. didn't see it, he was wearing a hard hat in this uh, picture. Um, anyway, I, I did oh, to no. clarify that for our folks. And look, his nickname is Dictator Dan, because uh, his name's Daniel Andrews, uh, for a very good reason. And uh, he's got a real hatred against Christian people. So how does this, I mean, how does this happen? I mean, how, what are the Christians in Australia saying? Are they just kind of sheepishly following along or are they speaking out? Oh, no. The Christians in Australia are really concerned about this, of course. I think overwhelmingly they see this as a it's a warning shot. It's him being a bully and it's the uh, those in the establishment of these organizations being bullies and saying, you know, yeah, if you're a Christian, you better watch out. You're not welcome in the public squares. You're not welcome in public life if you're somebody who simply is part of a standard Christian, we'd say a bog standard Christian church, an yeah. ordinary Christian church. Well, we were just earlier in the program, I had a state senator on from Pennsylvania who called for, he's in a campaign, he called for 40 days of prayer and fasting. And the, the media, some in the media and the left responded by saying, oh, evidence of Christian nationalism. <laughs> of course, you know, in our country, we have a, a history of our leaders praying. In fact, our nation was founded upon Judeo-Christian values in prayer. Um, This I see as parallel to what's happening in Australia. It's designed to intimidate and silence Christians to drive us out of the public square, which to me, maybe I'm a little different, but that's just more of an invitation to get involved. Oh, definitely. I actually think that one of the results of this is that Christians get more motivated because they look at what's going on and they think that's unjust. They're not going to change their beliefs. People who really are Christians, who really, really believe the Bible and, and really want to live for, <clears throat> live for Jesus in their life and serve God, they're not going to change their beliefs. You they can't. can't. Exactly. You can't. They can't change their beliefs. It's, it's Not and be a faithful follower of Jesus. Exactly. And so they're actually more motivated than ever, certainly amongst younger people. Yeah, I see the same thing here. Right. And they're, now they're, they're, say I'm not saying they're, they're a huge number, but they're more dedicated yeah. and committed. I've, I, in fact, I wrote a book a few years ago called uh, About Truth, uh, or about fear, no fear, entitled No Fear, and it's about kids standing for the truth. Right. And and I see that a, a greater resolve among young people today than when, when I was growing up. I, I want to get, Martin, I'm going to get your take on America. Okay. My take on America yeah. in general. Well, <laughs> or, as, it, it, just as freedom. we're talking about yeah. here, about yeah. religious freedom and the vibrancy of it or lack thereof and Christians engaged, what, 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 from coming from Australia, what do, you, what do you see about America? Well, in America, I see uh, a lot more Christianity than I see in Australia. The public evidences of Christianity here are extraordinary for someone coming from secular Australia. Uh, the number of churches here, uh, the number of Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches here is extraordinary. And I look at that, and I also look at your situation where you're getting some religious freedom challenges as well uh, in the public squares in particular. And I think to myself, you know what, America's at a crossroads. America could end up where we are, and it may well end up there if churches actually take the threat and they actually do bow and they actually do go silent or if they stand firm and they don't compromise and they continue to be salt and light in this place, there's a great bright hope for America because if they continue to tell the truth and they don't bend, there's so many of the, these Christians in this country 
Uh, and there's, there's therefore such an opportunity for such a large number of people to stand firm on the gospel itself. Uh, and so I just say, you know, you could you could go further down this line in the way that Australia has if you compromise, but it doesn't have to be that way. Does it matter to Australians and, uh, and Christians in other countries what America does? Well, definitely. Uh, I think America is uh, the most powerful nation in the Western world. And what happens in America is extraordinarily influential around the world. So how we deal with this threat to religious freedom and the exercise of it here in this country will have implications for believers in Australia and other countries? Definitely. The American First Amendment is a a beacon of hope for the Western world uh, because it shows what religious freedom should look like. Uh, And your example and what you do here really sets, uh, is a trailblazing thing for the rest of the world. And we do lock on and we see it. Even something as simple as this, most Australian Christians follow the ministry of American pastors. I mean, you export uh, gospel preaching, uh, but you also export religious freedom. Um, and what happens here really does affect the entire Western world, uh, and a lot, a lot turns on it. So you spoke to pastors here this week at the, at the conference. One takeaway, if you were, to, if you were to, to and have the opportunity to speak to pastors now across the nation on this program... What would be your one thing, the one, the main point you would say, will you consider this? Will you yeah. do this is what we need? Look, in two words, I'd say don't compromise. That's what I think we need. I mean, in Australia, uh, whenever there is a, a threat like this and whenever there is pressure to compromise, We actually see incredible advancement for truth and goodness and the gospel when people refuse to compromise. You know, we've had people like Israel Folau, who is a football player. They tried to sack him for his Christian beliefs. He said, I can't compromise, drew a line in the sand, stood firm. The gospel went around the world thanks to his stand. So if you don't compromise, I think God actually uses your testimony. I I think you're absolutely right. And it's courage breeds courage. Absolutely. And so when someone stands up, in fact, I was just having this conversation with a pastor. They were asking me, you know, kind of, what do I do as we see this threat for us not to preach on these issues? You know, I said, look, there'll be a moment where it feels like you're standing alone. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's a part of that testing. Yeah. Daniel experienced that. Yeah. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they experienced what, for a moment, you're going to feel like you're standing alone. Yes. But then... As you stand and you have the courage to stand, you're going to find out that you're no longer alone. That's right. Others will be standing with you because courage breeds courage. And those others, when their time comes, they'll be inspired by what happened to you. And they will take a stand when their day comes. Uh, and that just has an incredible effect. Like Billy Graham said, he said, the, sp- uh, the courage of one man often stiffens the spines of others. Uh, and that's what I would say. You know, it's, it's courage. It's not compromising. Uh, that's going to see an incredible witness for the truth and for the gospel uh, continue in America. Um, So everything rests on that. Um, And that is the, uh, you know, as I see it, the the one area or the areas that the enemy, and I say enemy, I'm talking about our spiritual enemy. We cannot see this separate from the spiritual battle that is raging. The, The very thing that they're attacking is the thing we should embrace. The yes. Word of God yes, and the proclamation Amen. of that Word. Yes, exactly. And where you see the attack uh, at its hottest, 
you know that, as you said before, that's the thing they're scared of. Yeah. Uh, they don't want that to be spoken. They don't want that to be said. And in Australia, I talk about all of these controversial issues from a biblical perspective. I deal with the current events. I make uh, videos about them and they get widely viewed. And I'm starting to see people come up to me in the street and say, I watched your video, you know, a video that lots of people in the Christian world would say, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's yeah, right, right, right. But they say, I became a Christian. Yeah. Because of that video, because yeah. it met them where they were. It met them in the But Jesus moment. wasn't controversial. <laughs> well, tell that to the Samaritan woman who had him call out her sin or, you know, Nicodemus to him. He said, you must be born again, you know, uh, a righteous man. He said, you've got to start over. Um, so, you know, it was pretty controversial. Uh, Martin, we're almost out of time, but it, let's talk just very quickly about Christians in office. Are we seeing more? that are trying, that are feeling called and stepping into that arena? Oh, we definitely are seeing that, yes. Uh, We're definitely seeing a lot of Christians trying to uh, influence political parties for good. Uh, And there's places where that's uh, really advancing in a good way. They will always face opposition. Uh, You know, we had a situation in the state of South Australia where a whole bunch of Christians joined up and the party cancelled their memberships. So a bit scared, as you said before. But, you know, that that got into the public eye and that was reversed. We've we've had those internal battles here. it's, It's taken... 30, 40 years, but Christians have now come to have a major influence in, in one of the parties here in this yes. country. Same in Australia. It's, a min- it's, it's still a minority in most places, but they are actually starting to have a significant influence in the conservative political party in Australia. It doesn't happen overnight. No, it takes a long time. And again, we've just got to stick with it. We've got to persevere, keep going at it. Yeah. Final question. Have you ever boxed with a kangaroo? <laughs> Personally, no. Okay. I thought I was going to have to once because a big one, about a seven-foot tall one, suddenly emerged at me out of some trees when I was on the Sunshine Coast. But uh, we both froze. We both looked at each other. And I don't know. There must have been something about my look. He took off. <laughs> well, Martin, I hope others take off Thanks, when Tony. they see you squaring off with them. Thank you for, uh, for coming here and sharing uh, what's happening in Australia standing for truth. Absolute pleasure. God bless you all. All right. Martin Isles. All right, folks, thank you for joining us as well as we sign off here from the ark. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 